There was an idea. The two podcasters could join together and cover every single superhero television show and movie that exists. Scott and Chris combined their talents to form Binge Storm and to make this idea a reality. Then Barry Allen popped in and reminded us that short of having time-altering super speed, there's no way in hell we can accomplish that in one lifetime. We'll do what we can. Weekly Heroics, a two true freaks guide to heroes on TV. Hi, welcome to Weekly Heroics, the Two True Freaks Guide to Heroes on TV, the Preacher Cast. So we're putting out a lot of stuff these days, so I've got to specify. Um, but we are doing Season 4, Episode 3 of Preacher Deviant, and I've got some special crossover guest stars from the the podcast formerly known as Fear the Walking Dead Cast. And they've done Preacher with us before in the past, but Beth and Brian Hughes are with us tonight. Um, and, and nobody else. It's just me and V, guys. So, hi. Welcome back. Thank you. Good Hola. To, good to talk to you again. Uh, haven't uh, haven't chatted with you guys since the, the unexpected last I issue of, of Fear the Walking Dead cast. Uh, and we never, never put that one know. out. Yeah. The, the lost issue of Fear <laughs> the Walking Dead cast, which will never be released, probably. Uh, but that's just the way the podcast crumbles, as they say. But, um, no, good day. Is that what they say? I, that's what I just said, so somebody says it. I, I, th- I think the term they use is pod fade. Pod fade, that's it. Or, or decommissioning or uh, de- deactivating. Sounds kind of nerdy and cool. I don't know. But let's not cry over spilled podcasts. Uh, <laughs> 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 or do we were crying over more foreskin references in this particular episode of of Preacher. Uh, As you guys may remember that have been watching Preacher all along, remember that little conversation Cassidy had back a couple of seasons ago, maybe? You know, one of his famous silly conversations in the car where he was telling uh, Tulip and Jesse about how uh, face creams use foreskins in them to make, you know, your skin all more smooth. Oh my god. And we see the logical, horrible conclusion of that in, in this episode. Uh, what did you guys, uh, before we get into it, what did you guys think of the first first two episodes? Um, oh, balls out nuts. Balls out or, yes. yeah, something out in that area of the, the body out. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, disturbing, as I yeah, said on our last podcast. It's kind of, a, kind of a difficult couple episodes for us men to get through. Uh, luckily, I don't remember my particular circumcision circumstances, but um, still kind of a cringe factor there watching it happen to Cassidy over and uh, over and over again. You're like Philippe the Mouse. <laughs> oh, you remember that? Like, no. He's, he's I, climbing out of the sewers and he's like, not unlike escaping mother's womb. Ah, memories. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> But but the episode. Well, I gotta say, oh, I, I'm a woman, and obviously, I have. Um, I can feel the pain. <laughs> I've seen it before happen with my oldest. Right. And I told my husband, "It's your turn for our youngest. You do it. <laughs> you be there." <laughs> so, just watching that happen, I just. <laughs> 
memories. I, I choose to want yeah. to forget that I just can't. Well, I think the thought of blades near the private areas of the body is generally kind of a primal, universal ick factor. And God bless the sick bastard preacher to to go there for us because they, they've they are apparently all out of fucks to give this season, knowing it was the final one. And so yeah, might as well go. They've turned the, all balls out. They've turned they the well cringe up to in, eleven. Yeah, they might as well brought in Ramsey Bolton to do the job, though. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. No, no, I I, I love uh, Tuscany and and his, his oh, no. yamaka and uh, you know he says respect for the, the Jewish religion, I guess. <laughs> so you know he didn't check with Cassidy though, because I'm betting Cassidy isn't Jewish. Uh, that's the reason, you know, the machine worked. But the episode opens with a nice, beautiful commercial for Tuscany's face cream, now with more foreskin. And as it ends, we see Cassidy screaming as he's now hooked up to a machine that just continually <laughs> runs over his, uh, yeah, and gets the foreskins. And now he's he's an enterprising supply line for, for Tuscany's face cream, apparently. So there you I go. I just don't know how he ever plans to get ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Just the tip. Okay. Just the tip. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so workers pack the material away and Tuscany's men lock Cassidy up. You know, after a hard day's work, Tuscany tells Cassidy that he's going to love Bensonhurst and leaves. And so this is where we're in Bensonhurst now. He's been moved from Masada. And now he's just a factory worker. <laughs> uh, back in Texas, the Saint Eugene walk along the road as Saint follows the sound of Jesse's voice. And Eugene tries to make small talk, just doing a horrible job of it. Very funny, though. Uh, and hits a ride, and neither one goes very well. Meanwhile, Jesse's flying to Australia and remembers what happens at the House of Entertainment, which we're very happy about because they just kind of skipped over it in the last episode. I'm like, we better be seeing the Jesus decide, you know, <laughs> in a little more detail. It, that whole inside scene reminded me so much of Happy. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Happy shares a lot of the same writers with Preacher, doesn't it? I, I don't know, but definitely... I don't know. either, but well, it's similarities, sure. I know Garth Ennis wrote some of the comics. Well, he wrote... No, it, was, uh, it wasn't Happy at Grant Morrison thing, but it was Ennis on some of them? Yeah, he he definitely uh, definitely had a hand in writing some of it. Um, see, I'm going to look that up now, because... Yeah, Grant Morrison uh, did help develop the series too. So yeah, he he had a bit to write in there too. Well, that's, I don't know those Irish. Grant Morrison's Irish too, right? And, yeah, and it's yes. just, they're just something oh, yeah. wrong with those lads. I don't know what it is, but <laughs> that boy ain't right. No. <laughs> Um, so uh, we get the scene finally of entering the house of entertainment. Jesse makes his way past the party goers, which is leather and people with bird cages on their head and more than a couple furries. Of course, you've got to have the furries and Jesus <laughs> decides asks if he can help him. And Jesse says, the boy at the window seems scared and he's here to get him. And the owner says, the boy is booked with him for the week. And Jesse was like, I was hoping you wouldn't say something like that. And we get a nice little epic, uh, punching of uh, the Desaad, and then Preacher work, walks up the stairs to find the boy. Meanwhile, Tulip is lying in bed and watches the grail doctors around her, and the doctor tending to her 
says that she'll be fine, but wants to run a psychological tech, uh, test to make sure they didn't see, uh, miss any unseen traumas. Tulip tries to get out of it, but fails, and she attacks him. <laughs> it's a little fight with Tulip, and a nurse finally injects her with a sedative, knocking her out. And, and Tulip's finally rocking her, her you know, blonde hair again from, from the comic. She's got a wig on, um, trying to look like a Masada agent, Grail agent. And in a flashback, we see again Toscani telling Cassidy that it's guilt that keeps the repeat clients coming back because they think they deserve it. And as he lies in his cell, the imprisoned archangel above him uh, talks about how they won't be happy until Toscani's dead at their feet. It seems like the uh, the angel's obviously more on this track than Cassidy is. And he, he's making small talk and asking what they're going to do to get out and what's the plan, you know. Cassidy says they'll do nothing, and the archangel figures that he means that they'll wait till the time is right. But Cassidy insists that he isn't going to do anything and just let Toscani keep taking him and exploiting his healing powers for the betterment of Hollywood faces everywhere. (laughs) Uh, Back to the Saint Eugene. Uh, continue down the road, and the saint, uh, ignoring Eugene's attempts at small talk. Eugene, he literally even asked the saint at one point, do you poop? Um, <laughs> Eugene finally stops and says that he's hungry. They go to a truck stop, and Eugene orders food. Well, the saint tries to order whiskey, but the waitress says there is no whiskey. And Eugene suggests a turtle pie instead. Always take the turtle pie instead. The saint doesn't respond, and Eugene orders turtle pie for him anyway. Once Flo leaves, Flo the waitress, apparently, uh, the saint says that Jesse sent him to hell. And this is the part I don't understand, because it wasn't really Jesse that sent him to hell, was it? I mean, I guess, yeah, maybe he did at the end of... Yeah. When he got his voice back. Yeah. Yeah, because that's when he met with Hitler, and, yeah, and shot Satan, so... Okay, but I mean, like overall, I mean, like his grudge should be more with God, but I think he did work out a plan with, with Hitler. Uh, where are we here? Eugene asks if he's going to hurt Jesse, saying the violence doesn't solve things. Saint's just kind of like, yeah, well, sometimes it does. Saint asks him what would suit him better, and Eugene suggests an apology. His dining companion isn't impressed, and Eugene goes to the restroom, setting up our next cringeworthy moment in this. Uh, the Archangel tells jokes and discusses Hoosiers, including an actual clip with Gene Hackman. So you gotta love that, and that'll be in this the, in this podcast somewhere. If you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the scoreboard says, at the end of the game, in my book, we're going to be winners. Cassidy doesn't respond. He says he's going to Bensonhurst because he has nowhere else to go. <laughs> and that clip that may be here, too, yeah. <laughs> I got nowhere else to go. Uh, the Archangel senses backstory, he says so out loud, and Cassie thinks back on his past. We get a scene from the Irish War of Independence in Ireland in 1916, um, where Cassidy is preparing to go to war, and his preacher uncle tells him to make the Cassidy's proud, lad. And Billy goes to, uh, ar- arrives to go with Cassidy, and Cassidy assures his family it's the British that better be careful. The two men walk across the field. Later, Cassidy and Billy are fighting the British along with other Irishmen. Their squad leader says they will live forever in the minds of the people they're dying for. And Billy's like, um, yeah, I'd rather kind of live <laughs> and be victorious. <laughs> they charge into battle, and uh, Billy hesitates a little bit, asking Cassidy if he's sure about it. Cassidy says he is. An explosion hits a nearby building, blowing off Billy's leg. 
pretty graphic too. Um, yeah. And two British soldiers yeah, arrive and see Billy and kill him as Cassidy hides in the shadow, watches and weeps. Cassidy re- uh, returns home and hears explosions. He sees two British soldiers and tries to hide from them. And once they go past, a vampire emerges from a nearby pond and drags him into the water. They struggle, and Cassidy finally breaks three and makes it to shore. The vampire comes after him and bites him on the neck, dragging him back in. So we presumably are seeing Cassidy's origins. And I got thinking about, I forgot how old Cassidy originally told Jesse that he was, but I guess it was like yeah. an 87-year-old vampire, maybe. I, I think that he, vampire looks messed up. Yeah. Kind of like the, uh, kind of like the wet, um, walking dead. <laughs> a bit, yeah. So, now, the first yeah. thing that jumped to my mind was the, uh, the witch creature and the swamp witch creature in legend with Tom Cruise. There's a deep 80s cut for y'all. Oh, my. She, she was kind of the same kind of haggy type water thing. Uh, yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of different references. You can see, uh, I forget exactly what the one in, in this one was, but. And he's doing it over on The Boys, too. But Sam Caitlin, that writes for this in The Boys, has been dropping some major, like, Breaking Bad Easter eggs in both of them. <laughs> really? Um, and we'll talk about one of them when Brian joins us for the next four episodes of The Boys. Um, but I can't remember what the one in this was, but it was kind of big. Or maybe it was in the, the previous episodes. I would meant to make a note of it, but my brain didn't let me. Um, <laughs> so, Cassidy, okay, did that. Later, Cassidy returns to his family cottage. His Grammy is inside singing his Granny B, as he's referenced before, and Cassidy walks away. And he tells the archangel that he thought it was better that his family believed he was dead rather than see what he'd become. And the archangel uh, starts singing an Irish song, and one of his feathers drifts down and falls on the floor in front of Cassidy. Uh, Featherstone checks Tulip's room at the bar, and she's not there. Tulip wakes up from a dream where Jesse leaves her a letter saying that she's a lying bitch. She discovers that she's tied down, and the Grail Doctor asks if she had a bad friend. Um, Tulip describes the exorcist and notes at the end, you know, threatens, basically. You seen the exorcist? You ain't seen nothing yet. You try to tie me down to a bed. And notes that at the end, the uh, main character threw a priest down the stairs. <laughs> And the, doc- yeah. the doctor says that she suffered a head injury, and Tulip tells him they joined the Grail to run things their own way. He tells her he, he joined up to help people, and he's going to examine her emotional functions via Rorschach tests. Mm. And I can hear Rorschach going, a pretty flower. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not Tulip. He was right for the, the literal things that she's seeing in him. Uh, Jesse looks to the boy, walks down a hallway, and dizzy from the smoke, he enters the room and finds a photographer working with the boy. Jesse knocks out the photographer and says they're going. The boy says, like, I just made, like, $500 for, you know, three hours of work or something like that. So that was kind of creepy. So he's like, you know, (laughs) we're in the third world here, dude. I got to do what I got to (laughs) do, essentially. Uh, Yeah, that was pretty messed up. I mean... I was, I was not real pleased with the way they went on that. I mean, I don't know. Well, I mean, you, this... you know, if we were talking about this earlier today, and I said there's one thing that the Preacher series is missing, 
And that is a foul-mouthed eight-year-old. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you know, someone with a mouth like Hit Girl, you know. Right. On, on Preacher. Just someone that could actually shock Jesse and Tulip and them. But uh, they haven't come up with that yet. But maybe after they listen to this, I'll do it. Yeah, yeah, why not? <laughs> um, so he fights his way now. Um, so, you know, kind of has to leave the boy, and he goes out in the hallway he finds all the residents f- waiting for him. And he fights his way through them as, they're, as they attack. And once they're all down, Jesse discovers that a stray shot hit the boy and killed him. Jesus comes in and complains that Jesse broke his nose. And Jesse grabs him by the throat and beats him soundly. And the pantsless pilot arrives and asks what kind of preacher Jesse is. Now, talk about an homage, though. I posted it on the Weekly Heroics Facebook page after I watched this. But this fight with Jesse and and the weird ass minions of, of Jesus Desat is so like literally taken from the movie Old Boy. It, like I, I figured it out immediately. And so if you go watch like this episode and then watch the hallway fight in Old Boy, you'll you'll see what striking similarities that, <laughs> that we I'm still haven't about. watched that. I don't know if I've ever watched the whole thing, but I mean the hallway fight is is one of the most famous fights you know in cinematic history and and. And Preacher pretty did it pretty good justice in their homage, but it was like just so obviously a little bit of Marvel, a little, a son, little bit of Daredevil he, hallway fight too in there. When he saw, he, he never really pays attention to Preacher, hardly yeah. ever. <laughs> and all of a sudden he was captivated by the fight and then says, he's my uncle. <laughs> I want no. him to be my uncle. <laughs> God, didn't he call him his godfather? <laughs> oh, my godfather. That's it. Oh, yeah, He's my yeah. godfather. I want him to be my godfather. <laughs> but he was, like, really stuck watching the whole fight. He just thought it was cool. They they, they do some great fight choreography and, and said this is just to, to kind of just straight up kind of copy one of the best fights in cinematic history was ballsy and they, they did it very well if it was that noticeable to me anyway because hmm. usually I just kind of blank on these things to like I'm reading about them later you know one of my podcasting partners points it out but I caught this one right away I'm proud of myself so <laughs> the two men yeah, the pilot that and was Jesse. one of the more interesting fights to see on the series you know a lot of times when they start getting into fights like I kind of tuned out a tulips fight yeah, I mean, it wasn't as, yeah, and, and there's some good tulip fights in the series, to be sure, but yeah. that one wasn't one of the better ones, but... Well, let's face it, if she doesn't have a rocket launcher, what's the point? Yeah, you know, <laughs> <laughs> or at least fighting Featherstone, you know, if it's not her against Featherstone. Yeah, no, just, those two together. Can, or yeah. Nazis, she did beat the shit out of some Nazis very well in the last season. <laughs> but as the pilot and Jesse uh, prepare to drive away... Um, Jesse uses Genesis to tell the pilot to forget what happened, except for the fact he doesn't have pants, apparently. They drive away as God in his dog suit watches from an upstairs window. So, obviously, pervy God would be at Jesus Desaad's house and enjoying the, the furry fellowship that is there. <laughs> Her star, Do you think we'll go to hell just for watching this? <laughs> probably, you know, if, if, you know, I'm, you know, I've, Get in line, you know, as far as my sins are concerned. <laughs> I think the preacher's going to be, you know, least of my worries when I knock on those pearly gates. 
Harris Star receives a report on Jessica and asks the Grail operative what his impression of him is. And, of course, we still have to be staring at the, the horrifying foreskin ear that he's had built for himself. And the operative, who he's calling Hoover 2. Um, <laughs> Hoover 1, by the way, uh, showed up over on The Boys, actually, um, for a couple little scenes. Uh, the guy that played him. We're a few episodes in on that one. We're enjoying it, but mm-hmm. uh, we have to be careful when we watch it. Well, yes, it's not not for the youngins. Mm. And with the, <laughs> fortunately, summer just ended. He went to started back at school today. So, oh wow, already, yeah. yeah. So just got to do things bigger and earlier over there in Texas, don't you? Yes, <sighs> we do as usual. What kind of what kind of school makes their kids go to a school in August? Oh, cool. cool. Oh, it's so hot outside. It's crazy. <laughs> I bet, but it's a dry heat. Right, so it's okay right. if it's 110 outside. I, well, I, the thing was, I went outside yesterday to get the mail, and I swear that has to be what vampires feel like. Right. <laughs> yeah. We've had some warm ones around here too. Yeah. yeah. So the operative Hoover two Hoover Hoover two says that he <laughs> that Star is pitiless, and Star asks him if he considers him attractive despite his many mutilations. <laughs> Hoover to admits that he's not. He's a straight shooter. Star dismisses beauty as unimportant anyway. So Featherstone comes in and says the the attack was a distraction, and Tulip is actually in Masada. So Tulip uh, does her Rorschach testing, and her response is all involved violence or guns, you know, or caliber of bullets. <laughs> so yeah, that's the Our exit brain. wound of a night over thirty-eight, you know, stuff like that. And she figures that she's failed, and the doctor says there are no wrong answers, but the uh, test results indicate that she's an uninhibited deviant with unresolved <laughs> abandonment issues. Pretty spot on, uh, Tulip admits, and uh, the doctor apologizes. Uh, she tells him that some people just can't be helped and, and drink you know, to get through it. Cassidy and the Archangel are singing Irish songs together, and Cassidy admits that he misses Ireland. And, did you get the feeling that they really would have liked Marty Feldman to play the Archangel? Right, yeah, I bet. <laughs> it would have been great, yeah. Uh, yeah, but uh, I almost, I don't know, I've seen some speculation that that might be like the father of, of Genesis or something. Um, we haven't really gotten a lot of explanation on why the angel's strapped up there. Uh, yeah, and, it does you wonder what's going on uh, with that. Uh, in the diner restroom, here comes the unpleasant scene. A man in the next stall calls to Eugene and taps on his foot. And poor the naive, old tap. Yep, yep. The wide stance, as some Republican senators would say. Um, and, uh, whoever that guy about, was. Um, <laughs> wait, what was his name? Uh, Larry Craig. That's it. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Uh, the Idaho think senator, senator in Minnesota. Was it? Yeah. I was like, I just have a wide stance. Like, yeah, all right, dude. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever <laughs> gets you through the night. <laughs> but, yeah, and poor, you know, naive Eugene, um, when he tells him to put his mouth to the hole in the stall wall, unbuckling his pants, Eugene does so, and the man mistakes it for a different part of the body that he was expecting. And he's basically, hey, what the fuck's wrong with you, man? What, what happened to foreplay? <laughs> Our space, are we getting the picture yet here, kids? Because I'm, I'm not going to walk you through this. Uh, <laughs> so anyways. Glory hole, oh, glory hole blues. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, 
a sex detective breaks in and arrests Eugene and drags him out to his car. Saint isn't interested and a child services man drives Eugene back to the orphanage. Um, as the Saint comes out and looks at him, he just, you know, I can see this one coming. He just shoots the driver dead from about five miles away and the car slows down to the side of the road. Jesse waits at the airport uh, for the plane to Australia and Hitler is sitting nearby and complains about Jesse smoking. Uh, he insists that his mustache will be fashionable again someday. Uh, <laughs> you know who I am? I'm like, yeah, I know who the fuck you are. He says he was in town for a conference and heard Jesse was there. Came by to tell him that he would be glad to have Jesse join him in hell. He explains that Satan is dead and he's in charge of hell. And Jesse says, I'm not going to hell. And Hitler says, you're coming sooner or later after everything you've done. Hitler says that God will never let Jesse get to him. And Jesse orders him on his knees to demonstrate Genesis and uh, just he tells Hitler to choke himself. And of course, he does so. He finally voices himself to stop, and Jesse insists he's going to talk to God. Hitler says, I'll see you later, and Jesse goes to his plane. Um, so good to, I mean, that's like, we've gotten more Eugene and Hitler than we did, like, almost all of last season. And, like, yeah. He literally had an episode true. named after him last season. So I'm, 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 I still say that something got chopped last season because of some events that happened in this country, and Probably for yeah. good reason, um, but still good to see Noah Taylor uh, <laughs> ripping it up as the H Man. So, yeah, may make me an evil person, but give me more Hitler. Yeah, he's got that job for at least another ten years. I mean, <laughs> a- after that, he'll be showing up to like his shopping malls and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, know? I don't know if that's going to go, go well go, for him. Go down to Brazil and say, "Yeah, this is what I look like." Uh, <laughs> I don't think uh, the, the Elvis impersonators are gonna, in danger of being replaced by Hitler impersonators anytime soon. I'm just going to go out and live no. on that one. Um, <laughs> are there any more? Are there still Elvis impersonators? That There's got to be. Bruce Campbell. That's true. Well, unofficially. <laughs> and uh, what's it, Dustin, whatever his name is? Uh, he was the king, man. He is the king. What's the guy from uh, Sword of Shannara? Because he's playing Elvis in a new biopic. Oh, really? Yeah. I haven't gotten around to that show yet. I do want to see it, though. Oh, yeah. That was fun. Yeah. We liked it. Shannara? Yeah. 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 I read the books originally, so I do need to check it out. Uh, where are we here? Uh, Featherstone goes to the infirmary, discovers that Tulip is left, and the doctor says if he released Tulip because there's no cure for her being a lunatic, and Lara goes to find Cassidy. And she enters Cassidy's cell and discovers that he's gone. The Archangel says he went to Bensonhurst and laughs. So, but Featherstone is not getting the memos, apparently. Tuscany and his men take the strap down Cassidy through the hallways, unaware that he is holding the Archangel's, Archangel's feather. I can't read tonight. Eugene drives the car and prays for God to take the driver to heaven, whose brains are splattered all over the place. And to forgive the saint for shooting him, he tells the saint that he doesn't like all the killing, and the saint says that he should tell it to God, because it's God's plan. Yeah, on the plane, Jesse is drinking, and the plane starts shaking. The TV shows a report of the house, and how some people are describing Jesse. Uh, some kind of news report, and how people are, uh, oh, the house of entertainment. And how some people are describing Jesse as evil incarnate, you know, despite all, like, the pedophilia going on in the place. Uh, pilot announces over the intercom that they've hit some rough tur- turbulence and advises Dr- Jesse to pray. 
And Jesse imagines uh, Tulip sitting behind him, complaining that he didn't say goodbye. The hallucination disappears, and the plane starts going down. And we, we've got to assume that this is going to lead to the little flash forward we saw in the first episode of <laughs> Jesse hitting the ground very hard. So I don't know. And I've talked too much, so you guys go. I don't know. What, what do you think of this one? I just uh, there. I can't believe it's almost over. Yeah, again. Oh. I just just got done watching the last season. I know. I'm getting very depressed that my favorite shows are going away. <laughs> Well, you know, the feather thing had me wondering if the feather is meant to cure him and he doesn't know it because he just got through telling all the reason for his guilt in that scene. Or is it to pick a lock when he's in the van when they're taking him? So I don't know. Well, I mean, he ends up in, in Bensonhurst. It might have some kind of, you know significance later, but I mean, he ends up in Bensonhurst, and that scene's presumably between Masada and Bensonhurst, I thought. Oh, anyway. that's right. Yeah, kind of no, you're right. Little zipping back and forth there. So when you first see him in the beginning, and they've got him hooked up to the machine, I think he's already in Bensonhurst, and so he doesn't no, escape right. yet, right. but it's got to have some significance. Cause you think would... Spike's going to show up? <laughs> Maybe. Well, the <laughs> thing is, is if he's still healing and they're packing boxes, the feather didn't heal him. So I don't know. Maybe it's just the guilt part that he doesn't have to feel anymore. I'm not sure. That will hopefully be what breaks him out or something. Because I mean, Jesse and you know, Tulip's looking for him in the wrong place. So. Hey, he might actually be able to get ahead then. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it, yeah. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess uh, we'll have to wait and see then. Yeah, I haven't watched the preview yet. Um, Are they still doing, like, Talking Preacher? They only, like, do one a season, don't they? Or are they doing it for every show? No. We haven't been watching any of the talking shows. Yeah, I gave up on them a while ago. Um, They were informative, but it's nothing I can't Google, so... Uh, got sick of Chris Hardwick's cheesy jokes. Yeah, he hasn't done Talking Preacher in two years. Oh, okay. Well, they, I knew they used to do like an opening one and a closing one, but maybe they've shit canned that all together. With his yeah. Little, his troubles. And I know that they've, they've turned Star into the walking joke, but I kind of want to see him do some of the badass things that he did had done earlier. And right now we're just seeing him, you know, as the physical joke right now. Yeah. Penis head, earless. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. That I mean, ear looks awful. I, oh, it does. That's <laughs> just so cringeworthy. And, uh, the, all the gore I've watched on shows lately, and that's the one that gets to me. It's visceral. It's, it's right to, <laughs> just goes right to a man's soul. Seems. <laughs> Those particular body parts used other places. Yeah, you know what's funny in all this is that for some reason, whenever I think a hair star, I think a Simon Cowell. In a way, oh yeah, sure. I mean, <laughs> it's just, I just don't see that at all. <laughs> but spend, okay, spend too much time on America's Got Talent. You need to go back and watch the old American Idols. <laughs> Holy cow, the man was harsh. <laughs> Well, I think I think uh, Star, if anything, is getting a little you know a little softer uh, with all his troubles. You know, his his, his ego's 
taking some hits and he's asking minions, you know, to, to tell him he's pretty. <laughs> so Yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh my gosh. And then to have a minion not automatically say yes. Yeah, right. Well, yeah. That, that was that was pretty messed up. <laughs> well, he just traded up, you know, Hoover was like the ultimate yes man as Featherstone's always been and this guy's just like, Nope, I'm gonna play it straight with you, boss. I don't know how well yeah. that'll go over, but well, these shows are definitely keeping my interest, uh, you know, peaked. You know, I, I'm looking forward to the, you know, the next episode each week. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can yeah, honestly say I'm not doing that for a lot of the shows. Over. Yep, only three, seven more episodes, seven, technically. Seven, yeah. So. They're going to go up to ten. So so they, I've, I, I've got to assume just that the way they've kind of turned up the violence and the, the cringe factor that, we're gonna get some special stuff in those those seven episodes, and and that presumably they're gonna end it somewhat the way that the comic did, um, which I barely don't, even don't, remember don't, actually. But don't spoil nope, it. Won't spoil don't anything. Spoil it. No. Is Sasha um, Mitchell gonna show up? I, see, I don't even remember the Sasha Mitchell. No, I don't <laughs> Sasha Mitchell was Spike of Bensonhurst. Uh, it was a late '80s movie, really bad, bad movie. Oh, okay. When you said Spike, I thought you meant Buffy Spike for some reason, but I don't understand where you're getting that that reference. No, it's but. it's one of those movies that sits in a video store when when it's the one that doesn't get picked when everything else has been picked. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's the, I used to be like, the guy that always picked that one because I was always late, you know, on the day that all the good stuff came out. And I don't know. <laughs> I wish we still had video stores. You found some gems that way. You know, when there was nothing left, you, you picked whatever there was, and, and sometimes yeah, you found a gem, sometimes found, you found crap. How I found Electric Dreams. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. DEFCON 4. Okay, that was bad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Nowadays, it's like, fucking Netflix is worse than the old video stores, because they're just, I can't believe how many bad movies are on there. My favorite video store bad pick of all time was Luc Besson's Subway with Christopher oh, Lambert and Isabella Gianni. I don't think I've ever seen that one. I don't know how. Cause I, it I, is poorly dubbed, and it is just hilarious. It's a movie he made before La Femme Nikita. I was going to say. It had to be and and John Reno is in it as the drummer. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it's a very young, very young John Reno. Hmm. So uh, yeah, no, that's that's when you you watch it, you watch it once, and then you know you blame me for making you watch it. <laughs> Subway, yeah. yeah. But it does follow an interesting uh, um, thing with Christopher Lambert movies, and that is, you know, in 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 a lot of his early barely movies, barely being able to understand them. Or? <laughs> well, no, but he apparently dies and comes back. Oh, okay. Because if you watch the Sicilian, he dies and comes back. Highlander, right. he dies and mm. comes back. Tarzan, he dies and comes back. Well, well Sicilian, I haven't thought about that in ages. That was a good flick, though. I like that. Yes, yes. And then uh, Mortal Kombat, he dies and comes back as a different actor. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Sequelitis, <laughs> he died of sequelitis. Yep. Uh, and another another matter, I'll say, uh, watch Swamp Thing if you get a chance. Oh man, we're, you know, we're, we're really enjoying that. I think Chris and, has been raving about it too. Well, they, um, they, they it is so good. They they surprised me with Blue Devil. Yeah, yeah, I don't remember that character, but uh, yeah, I've been hearing good things. See, I just I don't know if I want to watch it at all. I do. I watched the first episode or most of it, 
And then I then it was like a day later they're like canceled. <laughs> I'm like oh, fuck. I'm like so I'm gonna watch like ten episodes of this. Well, you know why really I got get into it, right? I, I I've heard all different things that it was like location shooting folded it, or something like this. A clerical mistake really? prevented them from getting the tax breaks oh, that they were okay. supposed to get, so they canceled the show after yeah. the first season. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, it's possible that. You know, well, that shit's fixable, so figure out somewhere to shoot it, you know, if people are enjoying it, but, I don't know. The, the season two trailer for Titans looks pretty good, I know that. I had someone recently tell me, I forget if it was maybe Pat, that he, he had wished that you guys had continued your Titans coverage, because he really enjoyed that one. Really? So maybe Titans season two, you guys can do at least one more with Christopher, because... I did too. I listened to that whole thing. It was uh, he, he's he's enjoying it too. Um, yeah, you know, and, and we're looking forward to season two. So you know, maybe we'll maybe we will get something together. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not as busy as I was. It at just least. was really, yeah. But it was really hard because my mom was so sick at yeah, that time. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yep. No, but, but yeah, you guys know any contributions you want to make? We'll put them up. I can't cover them all. I, mean, I started watching Doom Patrol. I did a. Doom Patrol podcast with Thomas DJ, and I haven't watched too many past that one. And I faded on Doom Patrol. I haven't finished it. I haven't either. Yeah, I, I just, just kind of lost me. Um, there are just other things. You know, I've been so looking forward to the boys and Legion and Preacher coming back. I just haven't really... I've been making Portina. You know, I finally made her watch all of Breaking Bad with me, and now we're into, <laughs> now we're into Better Call Saul, and so. <laughs> I'm actually, you know, in in whatever free time I have, I've been binge watching episodes of Mash because of the Mash yeah. cast. Yeah. Well, there, there's supposed to be some really good stuff coming out soon, so I look forward to it. Yeah, yeah. You know, this and with this and Legion ending, it'll free up some time to go back and visit some some backlogs of things. So that'll be fun. Um, don't you uh, tell us? She's, you mentioned earlier you just did the you just finished off your Dark Phoenix thing on Third Degree Burn, right, Brian? That's correct. Yeah, I mean we did, the last episode went up last night, and uh, is that I'm you guys so reviewing the movie too? No, uh, we did review the movie, and then we covered a couple of what ifs that kind of picked up on the you know what if Gene had lived. Yeah, yeah. And then we and then we covered uh, the the Phoenix the Untold Tale. Yeah. Which showed the original ending that they did and discussed all the reasons why they had to change it. What, you know, Jim Shooter and Jim Salakrup and those, you know, forced them to change it. Marvel's whim of iron, so to speak. Yeah. They made the right choice. It was a more powerful ending the way they ended up doing it. Over the last several months, we've covered every, you know, we we covered uh, the last four issues of the Dark Phoenix saga and, um, you know, all, all the surrounding pieces and bits on that, and, you know, getting the movie in finally was a, a good bit. Well, I got to just get a little spoiler from you on your movie review. What'd you think? Dark Phoenix? Yeah. You know, it's, if it wasn't an X-Men movie, if it wasn't tied to Dark Phoenix, it, right. it's, it not, a, been it's bad. not a bad yeah. movie. Yeah. No, it, yeah. Decent film, uh, good action, you know, and definitely, you know, decent performances, you know, from um, Fassbender, um, I don't like what they did with Charles, though. It's <laughs> it kind of ends on a note of like Magneto was right, as a lot of them did. 
Well, you know? Charles Charles was not just a you know a failure. He was the ultimate failure. Yeah, I mean, and, and kind of they've done that in the comics here and there too, like with Onslaught, and, you know. And, well, and that that Xavier's was always made some sketchy calls over the years, but they did that because they went all the way back to the very what, issue five of the original X Men, and there is one panel where, for whatever Stan, I, I Stan had a brain fart, and even Professor X professed his undying oh, love yeah. for Jean. Yeah, I remember it, but I don't dare tell her. You know, wow, she's my student, and I'm confined to this wheelchair. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that's extra creepy. Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, you know, back in the sixties, you know, that was, again, it was an offhand comment, and they yeah. never referred to it again. And then some guy in the nineties decides, you know, to make that the basis of the entire. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Well, we, since we've been we were talking over on Legion, now they they've slightly altered the Xavier Gabriel Heller relationship over there, and that I, you know, as opposed, to, I think in the comics she was essentially like his his patient kind of in yeah. a psych ward. Well, they, they made him an, a patient as well in the psych ward this time. So like they eliminated that whole major conflict of interest of reading your patient's mind and getting her to fall in love with you and stuff. So, so it's kind of a no, no. in well, psychiatry. Maybe, so are they, are they basically trying to say that he wasn't a doctor at all? He was a patient all along. Not all along, but he he essentially got in Legion anyway. He essentially got put in the hospital after the war, and you know to do the PD, oh, with PTSD and you know whatever. But, gotcha. But yeah, so it's, he's a, he's a fellow inmate essentially of the hospital when he meets her in Legion, which I thought was a better call than the original source material where he's a creepy psychiatrist. So. <laughs> Just really not so have supposed you been, to let your patients fall in love with you. It's kind of psychiatry 101. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to change subjects here. Have you been looking at that uh, John Burns Elsewhere, X Men Elsewhere? No, man. I just, no. I need to. I know. Um, I'm going to have to find a, like, somehow compilation of it and dump it a, in all one chunk. It, he's got it on his website. You can just go to the page and look at it in sequence. You know, he's got each issue, you know, put together, right? Two full issues and half of a third. He's putting out a page a day, uh, weekdays, and, and, you know, basically leaving them for the weekend. But, um, yeah, he's in his third issue right now. And, I mean, it's, you know, he he makes some deep pulls, but he's also, you know, like the stories are supposed to take place today. Okay. But they're just like, you know, the weeks and months after the Dark Phoenix saga, but where she's lives and has been lobotomized ah, okay. by the Shi'ar. That's, that's it. So the X-Men are together. You get to see things that you haven't seen in a long time. You get to see John Byrne drawing like MODOK. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and, and <laughs> just a, a sentinel, you know, action against a sentinel. And, uh this the, the the latest issue is uh, little Willie Evans from the Fantastic Four two hundred eight, and uh, today Spider Man made a guest guest appearance, a real nice and it's funny because it's like Nightcrawler's in the city and he's using that image and just so he looks like Errol Flynn yeah yeah <laughs> and he decides to crawl up the building to surprise his girlfriend. And then all of a sudden, there's Spider-Man sitting there going, something wrong with the elevator? <laughs> nice little Superman uh, homage. Yeah, nice. Man, he's got to have some kind of, got to be kicking some 
ducats to fucking Marvel or something. I can't believe Disney no. might like no, not, his pants not off. at all. They, they, <laughs> they, you know, basically, Cebulski, CB Cebulski went to him in Boston last year and said, "Hey, let's. I, I'm really liking this. Let's do something." And he says, "I'll get in touch with you." And he then proceeded to not get in touch with him. Yeah, for well, many I was going to say, I mean, if, if they just they let him do it and it's free advertising, you've got John Byrne drawing your product for you. Yeah. Well, having to pay him. So when when Byrne talked to him a couple months later, he says, "Oh, we're just so busy with so many big things going on that we just don't have time for this yet." And Byrne's like, "This isn't big." Yeah. And uh, you know, he just decided, "Now nah, I'm just going to publish it on my side as fan fiction, and it's just the penciled pages." But he's you know putting together complete stories, and he's got probably twelve done right mm. now, twelve issues done. And he's just continually to work at it every day because it's just, he says it's just flowing off the pencil. It's not, it is pure creation. He's yeah. having fun. He's yeah. getting, and you can see in the art that his passion's there. Yeah. That's, that's ultimately the best, best way for an artist to work is being, you know, his own vision, not being told by some editor what he has to draw basically or some and writer. This is, he's this writing is the it too, right? You want, mean, yeah, yeah, he's writing yeah. it. And this is the X-Men you wanted to see the way Byrne and, and Claremont were doing them way back in in the late 70s, early 80s. You yeah. know, it, it it has that feel, that flavor. Um, it's, you know, and he, his style seems to have reverted a bit to the way it was back then versus what it's been over the last couple of years. And I think it's just his passion for it has risen because he's just doing what he wants to do rather than what he's getting paid to do. See, I'm, I'm afraid to, like, start reading burn stuff in a way because I've kind of accepted the fact that I've, I'm starting to build a comic collection again, not really anything mm -hmm. focused yet, and I have to kind of eventually choose a title that I want to start <laughs> filling in again. I don't know if I want to go with the X-Men again or not, but if I do, and burn mm -hmm. shit's going to be really hard and expensive to find <laughs> so. well, you know i just beth just bought me the artifact edition on the x-men that idw the big huge book mm -hmm. and that is so nice I, i'm really glad i got that so that's another weekly heroics uh we will be back next week with um well we'll be back with uh, the final legion cast and we'll have some more boys stuff for you and brian will be joining us on the second half of that and yeah, you guys are welcome back to the preacher cast too. Uh, whenever we get around to doing it, because it's just been—you guys really are lifesavers tonight. <laughs> and I was just going to be reading this myself because I've got a busy weekend coming up, and I wasn't going to have time to even do a solo on this one. But well, you know, it, it, it's get, getting so much fun, and I, I look at what's going on right now. Is the toilet bowl is swirling, and everything is just about to smash in the center. Yeah, I have faith goes that, down the drain. that this team is going to give us a satisfying um, conclusion to this. That it's just going to, you know, right. this so story not, will have a definitive beginning, middle, and end, and that's always not, good not, for a show to go out on. Not a lost ending, but an end game ending. More, yeah, you know, I'm not sure. I'm well, more yeah, towards the end game, less towards loss. Yeah, definitely, that would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right, I got to say goodnight to you guys, or at least Beth, because she's got to go. But thanks for joining me. And we'll yes, be back. I'm so sorry. No, not at all. We'll be back with you next week. Bye now. Adios. Bye. Adios. Eternity. Imagine a place where perfection is timeless, where wisdom meets beauty, 
romance meets revelation. Every time is like the first time. Except you look even better. What's your secret? I'll never tell. Neither will we. Toscani's face cream. Aging doesn't have to be torture.